second time I had the honor of coming to work for him, I eventually took the role of team president and COO of the LA Sparks. Yay, yay, yay. It's 2016, we win the championship, right? Amazing. Confetti's flying, right? And he looks over at me and he's like, so you ready to do it again next year? I was like- <laughs> You're like, can I just celebrate and have some cake? And then I was like, yeah, let's go, let's go, 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 go. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe that it is March, which means two things. We're kicking off the month with Oscars week, and it is Women's History Month. Now here at the podcast, we are proud to amplify the voices of of amazing executives, leaders, and influencers, all who identify as women. In fact, every single week this month, we will be celebrating a new female guest. Plus, if you visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand, you can catch our entire collection of the top female guests from our past three seasons. And to kick it all off, our guest this week is Christine Simmons, who's the founder of strategic consulting firm Alis Volet Proprius LLC. Now, she was also previously the chief operating officer of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. But before we get to Christine, let's talk a little bit about your brand, promoting yourself, and what you can learn from the Oscars. Well, I am here in Los Angeles, and everywhere I have been for For the past three weeks, it has been billboards, social media campaigns, and commercials all saying for your consideration. That's right. All of the big studios are promoting and advertising their nominees for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, all of those major categories because guess what? You just don't win awards by being the best. You know this about your own brand. You can have amazing performance and you can even have a fabulous image, but if people don't know about it, you aren't going to get the recognition that you deserve. So let's think about promoting yourself from the lead with your brand system. Promoting yourself means three things. One, you're doing advertising. 
Two, you're getting great endorsement. And three, you're getting and managing great word of mouth. So let's talk all about advertising. I told you that I'm seeing all of these billboards and TV commercials that are singing the praises of these movies saying, for your consideration. Well, advertising for you is what you say about yourself because it is the message that you perfectly control. So think about your own for your consideration, whether you're looking to be considered for a new job by an employer or a manager or a recruiter, or maybe just internally at your company, you're looking to have more recognition, get a promotion or get a plum assignment. How are you messaging? How are you using social media? Are you posting on LinkedIn or are you one of those people that's hiding on the sideline watching everybody else, but you never post something? Guess what? This is your free advertising. You've got to have a great photo up there. You've got to have that about you section filled in and you've got to post things. Even if you just syndicate and repost and give some endorsement to other great content that's on LinkedIn. Don't throw away free advertising. The second thing is endorsement. It's all about what influential others say about you. And that's the importance of who knows you and for what. You've got to be out and build your network. Now, networking is both a quantity play as well as a quality play. But if you think about it, there are all of these awards, Critics' Choice, every single one of the guilds, the SAG Awards, all of those things have led up to the ultimate, which is the Oscars. Those are all endorsements. In fact, we even know that there are nominees in the acting categories for the Oscars that got endorsed at other awards by other people on stage and were able to creep in to those acting nominations as underdogs. So you've got to be out there and making sure that others are singing your praises. In fact, are you asking people to endorse you on LinkedIn? Are you asking and managing your manager to endorse you on your annual performance review and your mid-year conversation? And finally, it's all about word of mouth, right? That's what gets said about you, even by those who've never met you, and when you're not even in the room. Well, you know, in the movie business, it's all about these influencer screenings, right? I've been invited to all of these influencer screenings to see nominees in the short documentary category and other smaller categories that I might not actually go to. But why? Because they're looking for people to sample so that they go out and talk positively about the film. Now, you're probably saying, well, how do I do that in my job? How do I manage that for my brand? I'm not going to necessarily have an influencer screening. Of course not. But are you facilitating folks that you are in contact with so that they're spreading word of mouth? Are you following up with them on LinkedIn or via email or text or Slack and saying, hey, it was great working with you on that project. What was one of the best things or what did you learn or what was memorable? The more you ask people and facilitate, the more you are top of mind and 
and the more likely they are to go out and sing your praises. And when we think about tools like LinkedIn, hey, you've got to sing your praises in a humble way and do that in a way that other people you're working with sing your praises in the comments. But if you don't post any of those great wins on projects that you and your team have initiated or implemented, no one can endorse you for it on those platforms. So make sure just like in the movie business, you are running your own business, which is brand you and that you are promoting yourself. Now, I am super thrilled about today's guest. It is Christine Simmons, who I first met when she was working at NBC Universal. Now, Christine, like me, was born and raised right here in Southern California, and she has vast experience as a leader, entrepreneur, speaker, and executive, having garnered her trailblazing appointments and accolades in some of the most prominent organizations in the world. Christine is the founder of Strategic consulting firm, Alice Volet Proprius, which means she who flies with her own wings in Latin. It is a firm that advises small, mid, and large-sized businesses on operational excellence, strategic planning, business development, and representation initiatives, among other things. Now, Christine also speaks globally on topics of business, strategy, leadership, and inclusion, and her clothing and merchandise line, Unapologetically Christine, encourages everyone to live unapologetically. Now, back in 2019, Christine was named to the position of Chief Operating Officer at the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. She was the first woman and the first Black person to hold the position. Christine was responsible for the day-to-day management and enhancement of the Academy's internal organization and infrastructure, focusing on a number of key initiatives, including the organization's strategic and five-year business plans, organizational restructure, and representation and inclusion. In fact, she created the first ever Office of Representation, Inclusion, and Equity, which supported internal and external initiatives to broaden the aperture through which excellence is recognized in film. Now, prior to being part of the Academy, Christine was the president and chief operating officer of three-time WNBA champion, the Los Angeles Sparks. She has also been the executive vice president with Magic Johnson Enterprises and worked at organizations like the Walt Disney Company and NBC Universal. We'll be back in just a few moments with Christine Simmons. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have an amazing guest with us today. It is entrepreneur, speaker, and executive Christine Simmons. Christine, what's going on? I haven't seen you in so long. Jason, it's. I mean, we're we're just getting better and better with age. It's so good to see you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> 
Well, Christine, I have to tell you, I have been wanting to have you on the show since we started a couple of seasons ago. So I am so thrilled to have you on because you've had just this amazing career. So I want to kick off by asking you, we're always talking about professional brands and your elevator pitch. Now, I know you have spent years in Hollywood. You have spent years in the sports world, right? So tell me when you meet people, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do. <laughs> that is so funny. And it's evolved, right? I think that's yeah. part of it too for me is there is a through line, but the evolution of it. So, but for me, I've always been an impact maker, right? And whether mm. that impact is made in sports, whether that impact is made in business, whether it's finance or whether it's Hollywood and entertainment, it's about impact. And whether that's representation, inclusion, and equity, whether that's um, creating a new innovative approach to whatever the business model is, um, whether it's impacting the operation of the business, all of those things for me creates impact. And for me, it's always yeah. bigger, bigger than us. It's bigger than you. And so in everything I do, I want to make an impact, but then constantly reinvent myself. Ooh, I love that. But I love that whole notion of a through line about being impact. And I also love that you say, like, it needs to evolve, right? Because we're organisms, which means we change. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and I think it's hard, right? It's hard. You get you get in a lane, you're a business person, you're in sports, you're in and it's in my whole career, everybody really couldn't put a put their thumb on exactly who I am and what I do and, and what I bring to the table, other than they knew I made an impact. I drive results, right? But I do it with a bigger purpose in mind. And so I always look at it and when I talk to to younger leaders that are coming up, you kind of look at, okay, what is it you're good at, right? What's your yeah. what's your And I love solving problems, right? I'm really good at that. And I'm good at um, strategy and kind of understanding people, reading a room, and then creating what that process is to get to that result, right? Now, where do you like to do that? What what environment, Mm. what industry do you like to do that in, right? And if I have my choice, it would be sports and entertainment and, and, and finance as well. I feel like those industries, Jason, really allow, especially those that are historically underutilized communities, mm. to be able to change their trajectories in really exponential ways that sometimes other industries can't quite as quickly. So that's why mm. I really enjoy them. Plus, you know, I'm, I'm a little competitive and I'm a little creative, so I love all that as well. <laughs> and then you got you to really understand that purpose, that through line, right? And for me, I'll never forget one of my dearest friends, mentors and former bosses when I was at Disney, Delaneno, she she was like, what's your default? Mm. What do you when when whenever you whenever you're thinking about something that you have to do or um, a job that you enjoy, what what do you default to? And mine was always helping. It was always giving. It was always serving, right? And that through line of service, of advocacy, of empowerment, that's been there throughout my entire career, even if it wasn't in my job description. So those are kind of the ways I think it's important to look at your career. So that way you don't, you know, it could ebb and flow. You can come and go. You can, your job title could change, or you may not even have a job and you may be an an entrepreneur, right? But, but if that line is there and the skill set is there where you do it, that can change and evolve and it should. Yeah. And what great advice. I love that whole notion of like, what's your default, right? It really kind of gets to the core of who you are, what you love to do and what you're, what you're great at. Now, uh, Christine, talk to me a little bit because you, you were mentioning this. I know last fall you penned an article and you talked about this whole notion of like, 
stay in your lane, right? And 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 you kind of really advocated that that that's a really limiting view, especially in some of the industries that that we play in and a lot of our listeners play in. So talk to me a little bit about about your thoughts on staying in your lane. Yeah, you know, it's it's important that everybody understands their job yeah. and understands the role that they play in the bigger picture, right? And um, what task at hand are you supposed to complete? That's absolutely critical. But I think what gets lost sometimes are those hidden gems, those added benefits, those added aspects of the human that is mm. doing that job that actually adds value to the organization. And I think when we see when we see it in entertainment, we see EGOTs, right? And we celebrate them because yeah. we're able to do this in all of these different realms, still art, but in different realms, right? We yeah. see triple threats in sports, right? We see all of these things, but when it comes to executives in the business world, sometimes those types of um, additional value add characteristics sometimes feel scary or threatening to yeah. the organization. And, yeah. and when channeled properly, especially with this new group of ridiculously talented leaders who believe the sky is the limit, right? And we won't necessarily yeah. put age to it, but we have seen, you know, these younger generations coming in and being like, anything is possible, right? And I love that about them. So therefore they're like, well, yeah, why not me? Why can't I do this? And I think that when we are able to channel that passion in an organization, mm. it only adds value not only to the output, the innovation of the organization and the product, no matter what it is, but also to employee retention and belonging, which is what so many of our young leaders are really looking for as we're looking at the great resignation, as we're trying to retain amazing talent and they want more, they want to be seen as a whole human. And I think the more we can find that balance um, and make that transition, the better off everybody will be, especially the organization. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want to date or age ourselves, but we're, we, I know both of us are are coming closer to those uh, golden years um, there. What advice do you I know, but we look spectacular, right? That That's all that's all that counts. Right. But but tell me, Christine, you know, what advice do you have for managers in really leading and getting the best out of folks and ensuring that we're not just like pigeonholing people into something that's so narrow on a job description versus unleashing like this energy and talent, but the engagement piece? Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm really um, I really try to do preach, employ in my tactics every day is, okay, first of all, you have to address what is it you're most fearful of as a leader. So let's say, you know, I've employed Jason. I think he's fantastic. This is his job, but man, he's good on camera, man. He can ask some really good questions. Um, but yet it's not in his job description, right? Mm. So if that's the case, then what is the worst case scenario? If I, channel that and bring that into what he does on the job, right? So then if you address those concerns and those fears, now you have a better perspective versus kind of this dark hole of what ifs, right? And, And I think then you can be very methodical about how you operationalize his passion into his Mm. role, right? And then you can also help put guardrails on it as well. So, okay. Um, worst case scenario, he, um, 
maybe says something that we're not, uh, we we don't want him to put forward. Well, then help him, right? Then say, okay, yeah. look, here, here's the topics that we think you would be phenomenal at, you enjoy talking about, here's the areas, and that helps train you in how to promote the organization's goals and passions even more in addition to what you're doing. And then you have to also listen. And I think more and more we go into conversations um, without listening as much as we should. And even when we Mm. think we're listening enough, we're listening to respond and we're not listening to learn. Right. And so, and that, and it's hard. It's that automaticity of having an answer as leaders, we're supposed to have all the answers. And, and so when you're just listening to learn, that, does, that means that you didn't already have a point of view, didn't already have, a, you're not leading, right? Half the time leading yeah. is listening and leading is is understanding and processing and then and then redetermining a direction, right? And I think the best leaders do it well. Yeah. So I think it's not being, I'm not going in with a script as to what you expect to come out of it, doing a lot more listening to understand, but then also again, in the very beginning, really understanding what the biggest challenges is are of, of, of really bringing that passion to light and into what they do. And then if for some reason, there is no way that it's possible to make that happen, then why can't I help you pursue that separately in a way in which aligns with the organization and you enjoy what you're doing? Yeah. And now you come to work refreshed and energized because you've done this creative thing, right? Yeah. People take up painting and, and watercolors and pottery and all of that outside, right? So I love that people, especially executives, go do that because they then those creative juices are flowing and they come up with more innovative solutions that benefit the organization. Yeah. And I love this whole notion of like balancing what you're great at, what you love and brings you energy and then fulfilling those needs. You know, Christine, it just strikes me that it's this age old notion, right? As leaders, we think we have to have all of the answers when really it's about like, can we ask the right questions and shut up and listen? Right? Yes, it really is. We are problem solvers, not answerers. Right. So and, and, and I think that's, there's a really, it's a really interesting designation there because just because you're a problem solver doesn't mean you necessarily have the answer to the problem. In fact, if you set out with a specific answer in mind, you're going to miss out on all the innovation and all the creativity and all the possibilities that could come out of the journey of figuring it out along the way. Because if you only went this way, you may have missed a whole product line, a whole revenue stream yeah. that was over here for your organization, right? And that that in itself is critical in, in what we're looking at in this competitive marketplace today as everything is changing and everything is evolving and everything's being questioned. So if you are a leader and you're going into it with that in mind, one, that you have all the answers, that's going to alienate yourself and it's not going to inspire your team, right? Um, And then two, you're going to lose out on that creativity. I truly believe um, my my approach to leadership had always been and is and continues to be block, tackle, and get out of the way, Mm. right? If, If I knew all the answers to all the areas, especially as you continue to grow in your scope, right, then I wouldn't need those amazing employees that I have, number one. So they're subject matter experts. I'm going to go to you because that's what you do, right? Now, I have this entire picture that I have to take into account, not only what you do, but what they do and all of that kind of stuff. And then I have to solve the greater problem. So that way we can all get there together. Whereas you're focused on this particular area, right? So, So it's not my job to know your job. It's your job to know your job, right? It's my job to kind of bring everything together, block and tackle so you're most successful and then get out the way so you can shine. (laughs) 
Exactly, right? I love I love all of this leadership advice. I want to talk a little bit about your career. Now, I know that you are a SoCal kid just like me. So tell me, yeah. when you were little growing up here in Southern California, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? It's so funny. 909, Inland Empire, represent. <laughs> the old IE. The old IE, Miss Rancho Cucamonga over here, second in our <laughs> Um, that being said, you know, I didn't know the types of careers mm. that were out there, right? I knew you could be a doctor, yeah. but you could be a lawyer. And if you were a doctor or a lawyer, you were guaranteed to be rich, which I thought was rich, was $100,000. And I was set. And then more importantly for me, because my mom is a single mom, she raised four girls oh. on her own. Wow. And so, you know, just figuring out this entire process to get into college. If you, one of my sisters did go to school, but I was the first to graduate. But nonetheless, as a doctor, there was a blueprint. There's a plan. Okay, if I follow this plan, I'll be a doctor. I'll make a hundred grand, and life is good. It was so, so life was so simple then, was it not? So simple back then, <laughs> so right? Simple. Oh, the nineties. Oh, the nineties. <laughs> and so, um, so I was constantly, but back to that default, right? Back to that three yeah. line. At UCLA, I was doing blood pressure screenings on Crenshaw Boulevard. I was mentoring kids in the um, African Brothers and Sisters uh, program that we had at UCLA in Watts. I was a peer counselor for the African-American students on campus. So I was constantly, I was protesting. I was giving back, I was doing all those things, and I was working a ton. So my grades kind of suck, Jason. So I did not get into medical school, right? In my opinion, my, I had to reframe, right? It was almost like failure number one, big failure, right? But I had to reframe that for myself. And that being said, um, it's crazy how life comes full circle. One of my dearest friends, whom we both had the goal of a joint MD, MBA program, we both were going to go into emergency medicine because we saw that black and brown communities mm. utilize ERs as their primary care facilities a lot more than other communities, right? Because yeah. they're either uninsured or underinsured. And so we wanted to open in these nonprofit health centers across the country. We had formed the board and we were going to file our 501c3. And then I was like, you know what? I can save the world another way. But the way God works and the way the world works, I, while I was still pursuing that, Irvin Magic Johnson had just opened his nonprofit health centers around centered around AIDS and AIDS awareness and education across the country. I ran into him at UCLA in the men's gym. That's what they called it back then. That's how old I am. And... <laughs> I used to come play pickup ball up in men's gym in the off season. A lot of the NBA guys, they now call it the student activity center, but then they did. And I was courageous enough to approach him and say, I'd love to pick your brain about your clinics. Cause this is what I want to do Yeah. again, back to didn't get into medical school, but ultimately found purpose and a career in supplier diversity, which is what I was doing when I was at NBC universal with yeah. you and economic empowerment, and then just how to operationalize the good. Um, so my my life and career came full circle. And actually, I just helped to co-produce a documentary on um, what is happening to our black and brown doctors, especially with their mental health through COVID. Um, and it just premiered last Friday with that same individual whom I was going to start the health everything and everything works out right yes it does it absolutely does 
Now talk to me about this because it 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 strikes me as like, especially in Los Angeles, right? Like you see famous people all of the time and like magic's way up there, right? He, he He's like an icon. So talk to me, like you see magic in a gym. Like, what are you saying to yourself that you're going to be the one that just goes up and like pitches ideas about, you know, equitable <laughs> health care to like this sports, uh, you know, and community icon. Let me tell you, okay, especially as, and we're going to keep it real, right? We're keeping it real. Yeah. As a woman walking through a gym full of basketball players, right? Like I was just, I was intimidated on every level possible Yeah. with Irv, with all the other guys in there. I also worked in the building. That's where I was running the counseling program for the black students on campus at the time. Um, it was just every level of intimidation possible, but you just literally have to be like, what's the worst can happen. Right. Yeah. And, and so I just, I just did. And I, and it's funny when he tells a story, cause my hair is actually curly. I wear it curly from time to time. Um, a lot actually. And, and he was like, this curly haired girl came up to me, you know, asking me about the clinic. <laughs> he actually remembers it's too funny. And then I ended up, you know, he was like, yeah, let's, you know, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing. And, and actually we found, um, some beautiful common ground in, um, at the time, so many of the pro athletes were unfortunately losing their money because it was being mismanaged and they just, yeah. You know, they, they had never come from money. They didn't know how to manage their money and, and how not to be taken advantage of. And we found a lot of common passion around how athletes transition in their roles um, from off the court into business and such. And so to your point about you run into these folks all the time, you have to truly think about, okay, one, what is the authentic connection that you have with that person, right? Yeah. And find authenticity in it because here in LA and in Hollywood, we can sniff out in authenticity in a heartbeat, right? And, I, yeah, and, it, and it, it just reeks, right? People it smell it a reeks. mile away. They do. They do. And so I think, you know, he saw just probably saw the fear in my eyes. Let's start there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, scared to death because he's six, nine. Right. And so, um, and so I think that the pure authenticity of my first approach probably was very meaningful. And then moreover, yeah, I did see him a lot in Los Angeles. We'd run into each other. There was never an ask. I never asked anything of him other than knowledge and, and even that spent, you know, their time is very valuable. All these individuals' yeah. time is very valuable. So not wasting his time and just really understanding his journey and the clinics and him really understanding how um, passionate I was about what I was doing. I think that meant a lot. And then over, you know, five to 10 years of running into him, never asking for anything. And actually the first time really asking him for something was for him to come to a meeting that actually would benefit him. So that was when I was working at Disney prior to my time at NBC Universal. And I was on the supplier, ugh, I can't even talk, the supplier diversity team at Disney. And one of my goals was to increase our spend with Black-owned and African-American-owned businesses yeah. there. And so he, um, at the time, was he had his portfolio of retail brick-and-mortar businesses, but he also was diversifying his portfolio. Um, he had a staffing company at the time. He has a food and facilities maintenance company. Yeah. Um, at one point, he even owned the beef company that supplied meat to Burger King. Okay? Right. Well, <laughs> <That's exactly. laughs> 
talk about diversification. Talk about diversification, right? And so at the time, um, Disneyland and Disney World were letting out an RFP to bring on someone to feed their employees back of house. And so I invited him to a meeting with my boss and my boss's boss at the time, Delaney, you know, that same boss. And then our boss, my boss's boss at the time. And, and so when the ask came for him to show up, it really was something that was very mutually beneficial. And then they ended up winning that opportunity and Ooh. for many, many years served the employees food. Um, and then shortly after that, he recruited me to come work for him. <laughs> well, see, so I love that. But, you know, I feel like the lesson here is, is, you know, great networks are about like being in service of other people, right? It can't just be this selfish thing because, you know, I've seen it a million times. Let me go up and like drop my my business card in someone's pocket or like, you know, in the old days, it was like, here's my DVD reel like for stuff. And you're just like, what's going, you know, what's going on with this? I love that it was almost that you you asked for air, right? Like you asked him for advice, insights and recommendations, not for a job, not for a gig, not for uh, for a connection. Now, the cool thing about magic is that he's an expert at a couple of things, right? He's this amazing athlete, but even a better executive and business person. So what's something that you learned from magic working for him and being around him all of these yeah, years? No, I appreciate that. And he is, he's, he's so brilliant at so many things. Um, two big things. I think one was really opened my eyes to such possibility. You know, it's like you understand kind of starting a business and even in supplier diversity, a lot of the businesses that we saw, some of them were extremely sizable, um, but some of them, you know, were, you know, a couple million, you know, I never knew how you buy a sports team, right? I didn't understand what, you know, these, these, um, titans of business, how they made their money and, and what was possible in, in the private equity space and, and, and how you acquire this to invest in that and, you know, those types of things. And, and that I think was just so mind blowing to me, but really it is the possibilities are endless. Right. And, and that, um, if you dream bigger, then you can achieve bigger. And I think the second thing I really learned from Irvin is, uh, we'll say, we'll, we'll say two A and two B. One, surround yourself with, with really smart people, right? And so he's brilliant, he's competitive, and he's a visionary. And then he also loves to surround himself with really, really brilliant people um, that help him execute on, on that vision, which I think is phenomenal. Um, you don't always... You're, it's almost better not to be the smartest person in the room. You can have the vision. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the expert. Again, back to why we have subject matter experts around us. And then just how yeah. you stay competitive, right? How no matter what, competition is competition. And if you were ever an athlete in any way, shape, or form, I was a three-letter athlete in high school, but that competitive nature that I want to win, it was almost too. And yeah. he, um, I'll never forget. So fast forward the second time I had the honor of coming to work for him. I eventually took the role of team president and COO of the LA Sparks. Yay, yay, yay. It's 2016. We win the championship, right? Amazing. So we're on the floor, confetti's flying, right? And he looks over at me and he's like, so you ready to do it again next year? <laughs> I was like, you're like, can I just celebrate and have some cake? Can we just, just, no. And then I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. You know what I mean? And then you just kind of 
And and so while I was always competitive, um, understanding how to continue that. And again, that's not competition against mm. anyone else. That's competing against yourself. And how do you can do? How do you keep competing? Yeah. He would always say, I would bring him something like, Sir, we just closed this, you know, multi million dollar. Da, 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 da. He was like, That's great. Congratulations. What else you got? And I'm like, Okay. 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 <laughs> That's what, okay, okay, you're right. um, okay, I'll be right back. You know what I mean? And then you'd go get the other thing. Right. So um, I think that is how you continue to grow and evolve and just keep growing. And that comes from um, the humility. And I use humility very cautiously, but it's it's understanding that there's always more to learn and there's always more growth. I don't care if you are a Hall of Famer, there's still more to learn. There's still more to do to be yourself. Yeah. And I love that whole notion that what he was saying was this isn't about being the best and better than other people. It's how can you best and better yourself regardless of what you've achieved, right? Exactly. Be better than yesterday. Yeah. And so we have to talk about your time at the Oscars, right? Because I'm sure I'm sure there was folks that were like, you are crazy <laughs> for taking on this role, right? I mean, so this is back in, in 2018. The Academy had not had a chief operating officer for something like five years. And you're joining an organization, right, kind of on the heels of Oscars so white and just significant criticism, not only of the Oscars, but just the broader entertainment business. So, so tell me how that all happened. Great question. You know, I, um, I'm a firm believer that you don't stay in a position forever. I just don't, Mm. I, I believe that there's always new hills to climb, new challenges to accomplish, and also beautiful new, um, folks that have great ideas that can come in as well. And you can open doors for other people. So, um, it had come time. I, I felt for me to take on my next challenge. There was a phenomenal person who I knew would take care of the spark. So I was like, okay, let's see what my next challenge was going to be. And this opportunity came about and just a meet and greet with an executive recruiter. And they just happened to tell me about it. And while I been familiar with the organization and of course the challenges that they had had, um, you know, I wasn't super in depth. I'd been in entertainment, but not as closely and directly associated with this much, um, as it relates to film itself, right. More kind of a broader entertainment base. Um, I had pushed, pushed forward, especially NBC universal. We pushed forward a lot on, um, really diversifying below the line, uh, trades, um, and businesses as well. That was an initiative that we had started decades prior. So understanding the need, um, for more representation throughout the industry and especially behind the scenes um, of, of film, I think for me was something that I had always been passionate about. So that was kind of um, a secondary uh, attraction, I think, to the role. I think because when I first started, there was no um, aspect of representation and inclusion in my job description whatsoever. And so I was strictly operational, the COO, primarily in the beginning, um, focused on the foundational programs that so many folks don't understand how beautiful and vast um, the, the resources that the Academy of Motion Pictures has from a film library to film archive to a, a ton of amazing programs for young and upcoming um, filmmakers and artists, and especially those that are underrepresented. Um, And so part of my goal was to bring more visibility uh, into all of that. Eventually, we got into kind of the overall depth of the representation challenges, and I was honored to be part of the village that helped create the inclusion standards. Um, I created the first office of representation, inclusion, and equity, I think in year two of my my term there. 
So, you know, we, we got some work done. There's lots of work to be done, but the initial attraction was actually, how do I help innovate this business, right? So it's a live event. It's on linear network television. And so how do we really look at how, and, and, and much like the Sparks, which was interesting when I took that on, is that how do we attract a younger, um, more diverse uh, uh, market share and audience yeah. right? and, and connect directly with them a little bit more and get them excited about whatever the product is, whether it was women's basketball or whether it was the beautiful art of filmmaking and the movies that are made and the emotional connection that we have. Um, so it was a very exciting and challenging time. Um, got a lot of really cool stuff done and, and you know, it, it, the work continues. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I have to give you your, your fair props there. I mean, you were the first woman to hold that role and also the first uh, black person and black woman to hold that role. So it was a pretty significant thing, not only for the organization, but clearly for you as a trailblazer. You know, it is. I think, though, Jason, we're all like really reframing these firsts. Right. And yes, honor. Yeah. I think my, you know, my role and especially those of us that are that are of, our, of a certain age. Right. So, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very transparent about my age. I just turned 48. But, you know, I think for those of us that are in kind of our 40s and 50s, you know, of course, we're going to be the first. And 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 it's unfortunate. Yeah. that were the first. And I think we have to continue to look at the systems and the organizations and all of them and say, why is it taking so long? And why does there only have to be one? Mm. And, um, and until yeah. we really look at that, yes, I'm, I'm honored. I thought about it every single day. It weighed on me every single day. Um, because one, you want to make sure that you create, um, uh, an easier path for those that come behind you, that you um, open doors as many of them as you humanly can and change, most importantly, change hearts and minds, I hope, um, so that this doesn't even have to be a conversation going forward. I think that ultimately for me, because um, there's, you know, we've all had a lot of firsts that, that do this work. And so I think that's the most important takeaway of being a first of anything is really yeah. start to have to question the systems and and the operations and figure out how we operationalize the goods so we stop having the firsts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now tell me what was what was the uh, your favorite thing about having that role with the academy? Oh, you know, it was really seeing, especially the young filmmakers, our Student Academy Awards um, and our Women's Fellowship. In fact, um, one of the women who actually uh, got one of our fellowships was the director on the short doc that I just did as well. And oh, so awesome. you know, being able to see them thrive again, block, tackle and get out of the way so they can shine and do their job and do their work. That to me um, was the most like rewarding. We would, um, or our screenwriting program, we would call these amazing screenwriters and they, you know, they cross generations. Um, some of them had been working at this for so long. And so we would call them at this time, mostly on Zoom, because a lot of them are global, but even, even so we would call them on Zoom and surprise them. And, and just, I cried every time I'm a crier. I would cry every time. <laughs> and it was just so moving because, you know, it's such an expression of yourself and you're so raw and vulnerable when you present anything creative. And so understanding what that means to them and being able to empower them in their journey to do it, to me, that was absolutely the favorite part of my job. Now, talk to me about this amazing chapter that you're in now, right? You're advising companies, you're consulting, you own a clothing and merchandise line uh, unapologetically. Talk to me about the cool stuff you're working on. Oh my gosh, it has been a whirlwind and a beautiful 
renaissance. Whenever you can say renaissance and Beyonce and Rihanna, then you have to do it in this time that we're in right now. But, um, you know, I, I've always been kind of this internal activist, right? Mm. Where I'm trying to change systems from the inside out. Yeah. And I always, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I think now though, I'm really excited to see what impact I can make from the outside in. Yeah. And, um, and, and the freedom, you know, I have an amazing son. He's turning 12 in a couple of weeks and, Yay. you know, being able to present in his life. Thank you. Being present in his life is so important to me right now. So, so as I am, I'm shaping, and I think more organizations, small and big need to really start. This is let's start with the human first, mm. and then let's talk about what the business is. Yeah. And then let's shape things around that because then we'll have far more, um, engaged employees and workforces. Right. But that being said, um, my strategic consulting business really helps those, especially former athletes and artists, but just any business um, to operationalize the good, um, to look at strategic planning. Um, I assist them with um, anything from their business plans to business development and in a lot of representation, inclusion and equity as well. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I get to dip in and dip out and see all of the great things that these entrepreneurs are doing, which is just phenomenal. Um I yeah. continue to speak nationally, globally. Actually, I got to go speak to um, the employees at Lego's headquarters in Denmark. It was the most amazing experience. Ooh, okay, now I'm super jealous. Oh my gosh. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Lego headquarters in Denmark or the Lego house there, when I tell you, in fact, for your podcast, let me tell you, I've never seen as beautiful of execution of brand representation in a company from top to bottom. Ooh. It's uh, creativity Ooh. is play. Like it's just the, every single detail is, is so authentic in how the brand is represented. Mm. I, we had a phenomenal time. My son went with me as well. It was, it was great. And we talked about representation inclusion globally and what that looks like for, for Lego. Um, yeah. So I get to speak publicly on all of these types of topics. But to your point about the clothing line, and, and when we talk about a brand, you know, a while back, I kind of thought, you know, as I was, especially as I was speaking to those that identify as women, oftentimes, you know, we are asking for forgiveness. We are constantly apologizing and saying sorry and asking for permission. And so, you know, I, it literally just started with my Instagram handle unapologetically Christine, because I'm like, Hey, Christine, yeah. stop apologizing. I was talking to myself, right? Like I was literally trying yeah. to remind myself that take a jump, be bold, be, you know, be confident. Like you, you got this girl. Like, so I'm talking to myself and then in that, <laughs> I continue to share that message with others. And it's not just women, all of us, like we all oftentimes listen to so many other voices and we aren't living our life. We're not, we're not going by our script. Right. And, and so living yeah. unapologetically, it's not about not being remorseful. It's about loving everything that you are flaws and all right. And, and yeah. doing it extraordinary fashion. And so, so are you unapologetically joyful? Are you unapologetically black? Are you unapologetically gay? Are you unapologetic? Like what, yeah. whatever it is, just do it with authenticity. Are you unapologetically crazy? Like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. And, and so, you know, it started out with hoodies and tees. It actually started out because I'm actually producing an online course 
And in my my business mind, it was like, oh, you need merch. So I was like, okay, I'll do some merch. <laughs> of course you need merch, right? Of course you need merch. And then so my friends, as amazing as they are, started buying and posting. And I'm like, wait, wait, <laughs> that's not what this is. Okay, let's go. So then created the line, hoodies, tees, joggers. Um, and then I really kind of tapped into my creative side. And I do hand-painted high-end denim. And each jacket is an art piece within itself. Um, our, our overarching um, logo and embodiment is angel wings. Um, my my LLC is Latin for she who flies with her own wings. Because we always oh, have to remember that. that we have the power to fly whenever we need. So you'll see angel wings on a lot of stuff. And now I'm getting ready to look at athletic wear. Um, I am a huge fan of fitness and staying healthy. And so from leggings to shorts and sports bras, I'm really excited about that phase of the clothing line. So getting ready to look at some, I've got a couple of samples, but we're going to, we're going to do some more sourcing and, and I'm meeting with this amazing company and they are women led and women owned and they have ethical sourcing that's all based here. So it's everything that I am. So when we talk about living your brand, like you have to walk the walk. Yeah. And understand what that means. And, yeah. and so that's what the unapologetically brand is. And then finally, I dabble in a little documentary producing from time to time because I want these stories to be told. They need to be told. And people need to hear not only about these these amazing stories, but through the eyes and the lens of the people who are living it. And I think that is crazy. Important. Yeah. So, however, I can help that come to life, then I'm I'm doing that as well. So we'll see. I don't know. Who knows? Like if, if well, let's let's talk next week, next month, and you know exactly. But for right now, I am. We'll get the update. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm peaceful. I am intentional, and I'm excited. I'm yeah. really excited. So you talked a little bit about the unapologetically brand. Tell me about your brand. Give me three words that describe brand Christine Simmons. Ooh, um, I love the I love the letter C, right? So um, confident, yeah. um, ooh, charismatic, and a little crazy ooh. in the funnest way. <laughs> I don't take myself too seriously. I like to have fun. Those would be my three C's. Um, if I had a fourth and an option for a fourth, it would be compassionate. For me, compassion drives everything. Ooh. Ooh, well, you you get all four all four of those, but but tell me, is that who you've always been, or how has that evolved over time? I think we all evolve, right? And I think, and, and also competitive, right? There's the C's can I could do this all day. The C's, you're all I about this C's. all day. My son's Christian. It's fine. Um, uh, it's evolved. It's evolved, and I think that you know when you're early in your career and you have something to prove, like you you're going, you're going, and you don't, you know, you're you're not listening as much as you should. You are. Um, trying to prove yourself a little bit more. You know, I had the greatest advice um, from, you know, a former mentor, um, Eric, and he used to tell me how, just pause for a second. Hold on. You know, it'll, Ooh, it'll, pause. that pause, you know, if you're automatically going to respond, not only you're, you're not listening, but you're not letting the dust settle. And, you know, and a lot of times things will work themselves out. You know, people respond in emotion so quickly sometimes. Um, and, and if you just pause for a moment, then sometimes, like I said, it works itself out. But more importantly, you're not approach, approaching it emotionally. And then moreover, you're not... Um, you're not desperate, right? And if you understand that there's yeah. always going to be the possibility of something else, right? So for instance, let's say you're pursuing an opportunity, you're pursuing a job and you immediately jump on that first job and you don't truly believe 
that there will be a better opportunity, then you're probably not going to get the best, the most out of that offer, right? Because you're like, okay, I'm going to yeah. take their first offer and is what it, no, you know what? I'm going to pause. I'm going to think about that for a second. And either they might come back with a better offer or there may even be a better opportunity behind that. And so, and it, yeah. and when I've been able to, but that takes a lot of, of self-work. It takes a lot of, of centering and knowledge of self. And, and again, that self-confidence. And no matter how confident we may be, like we all have our insecurities. We all have our challenges. And it's one thing to know that you've accomplished some things, but to truly, truly believe it, that's a whole nother thing. And when you have that belief and you're centered in that, you can pause and you aren't desperate and you can um, let things evolve as they're supposed to and let the universe do its magic versus trying to force something to happen. So, so it's, and that's come with, with time, with um, learning to love myself, with all of those things that we're hearing a lot more about now than we did when you and I were coming up. So, um, and my goal and my hope is to help younger leaders learn that quicker and sooner because the world will be so much better if we all got to this place a lot quicker. So, Christine, we could talk all day. So I just have some quick, fun questions at the end. We were talking all about your brand. What brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? What is it that you can't live without? Oh, it's a good question. I cannot live without. God, it's hard because I've been so focused on my own brand right now. Honestly, geez, anything that is... Women are minority owned. I got to tell you, I'm a huge, my Totem mm. Carry, I think I literally have them right here. Totem Carry, I have the entire set. It's a luggage brand. They have fanny packs and all that. I love Totem Carry. I wear my fanny pack every single day. Um, it's black owned. I um, love um, every, like, I just, I really am passionate about supporting the, the underdog right now. And I love it. So I'll go with Totem yeah. Carry for right now, but anything minority or women owned. Yeah, well, I'm checking them out because I need new uh, luggage. Now, Christine, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Ooh, I am a car girl. You don't know this, Jason. <laughs> um, Maserati Gran Turismo. Ooh, and why Why that uh, Gran it's Turismo? Fast, it's powerful. It's sporty. It's sleek. It's not too ostentatious. But if you if you mess with her, you'll hear her engine and then you'll back off. And finally, Christine, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Oh, goodness. Um, Love. Mm. Inject love in your job. And I know people talk about you don't bring your emotions to work, but we all do this work, yes, to, to pay our bills. But most of us, and my guess is most of your listeners, start with the heart first. And mm. and that, that manifests in a lot of different ways. It really, in the workplace, um, manifests in empathy. Um, and empathy and all of those beautiful, soft skills that we appreciate in our personal relationships can cause so yeah. much beautiful impact and progress in the job, in the workplace, that if you lead with empathy, you'd be surprised how far that will take you to meeting all those goals that you have at work. Oh, I love that. Well, it's all about leading with the human part. Christine, thank you so much for bringing your love and your compassion and your confidence to the show. It was great chatting with you. 
You too. Thank you for having me. And thank you for this platform. It's so important. And I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And where can people learn uh, learn more if they're interested in getting in touch with you or uh, buying unapologetically? Unapologeticallychristine.com or you can hit me up on Instagram, unapologetically underscore Christine. Yay. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Christine Simmons. It was so great to reconnect and catch up with her. She had so many great tidbits and great advice, but the one thing that really stood out for me was that Christine has really found her path and her career across multiple industries by ensuring that she is combining her passions and what she loves with her great talents and finding areas where she can add value. At the end of the day, that's what leading with your brand is all about. And just think, she could have gone up and just been a fangirl when she saw Magic Johnson, but the fact that she was able to go up and connect and build rapport on one of her passions that she knew was a passion of his meant that she was able to add value to the work that he was doing, and it helped create a pivotal career breakthrough moment for her. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show to you every single Tuesday. Remember, it's Women's History Month, so help us amplify the voices of amazing executives, leaders, and influencers who identify as female by visiting us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patrick on all platforms, and I would love to hear from you on LinkedIn and even hear some of your questions that we can address on a future podcast episode. Most importantly, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.